0: What is up? It's me, it's me. It's Mr. Sensational Gino V. Coming to you, hanging by a thread, with very special episode 6-9 of the podcast. Not to be confused with that fella with those really bad rap videos where it's like, and he's got all the colored hair. Um, and I think people are mad at him cause like he went to prison and he allegedly snitched or some such, not to be confused with the human being six, nine, this is a very special episode six, nine of the podcast, the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast coming to you by way of the IC robots radio network. I don't feel like doing the whole spiel today to the tens of ones listening about what this is, why this is, you all know the drill. You want to hear more from the network, you go to your preferred podcast platform, you search "IC Robots Radio Network, you hit like or subscribe. In the meantime, you are stuck with me for the foreseeable future, talking about not much of anything Um, and talking under duress because today is one of those days where I really just wanted to throw on the old recording program, press record, start talking, and get this over with not get this over with like I don't want to be speaking to you the tens of ones I just mean I kind of pressed for time wanted to get going in kind of a weird mood we're going to talk about why but I ended up having to do several takes here because the microphone the old blue snowball microphone was choosing to act up but I believe we have it all under control now as we speak So I did not come to you with an episode of the podcast last week. I'm trying to remember. Oh, it was because uh, we had a three-day weekend and I was off the Monday before the Tuesday that I would have been normally recording this episode and my schedule just got thrown so out of whack and I had so much to catch up with on the Tuesday that was actually kind of like the Monday of that week that just was not going to be in the cards to crank out an episode of the show. Um, but in retrospect, I should have flipped it. I should have found a way to do the show last week and I should have pulled the calling in sick card uh this week. Um uh, just because it's been an insane week over here at Sensational Manor. All based around an international news story that um I've seen get varying degree of notice and play by people I know out there on social media. Some people have been chatty about it. Some people have uh, kind of no-sold it. And I I can understand why one would no-sell it if one was not tangentially connected to it like I am because it's just yet another one of those stories of crazy things happening in far-flung parts of the world um, that can easily just sort of melt into... uh, noise that's hard to decipher, and you wonder how it really pertains to you. And so the story I'm referencing, of course, is the current um, war that's taking place, the invasion that's taking place by um, the country of Russia against the country of Ukraine in Eastern Europe, and this would be... A disconcerting story, an off-putting story to me regardless, just because of the, the nature of the, um, just the dramatic fashion of um, one country invading its neighbor unprovoked and for no real discernible reason other than um, an attempted land grab. But it's hit a little closer to home to me um, because my brother is married to a woman who was born in and grew up in Ukraine and whose family still lives there. So I am not immediately directly related to Ukraine, but I'm like, you know, one step removed. I have, um, for instance, um, my niece, who I'm very close to, my brother and his wife's daughter, is um, undoubtedly has like her Ukrainian side to her and that's part of her her heritage and her growing up, and they, you know, prior to what's going on there, she would go visit there and see her grandparents there, and they would come here, and and so on and so forth. So, uh, with that being said, this story has been front and center for me for the last however many days it's been. Um, you know, talking to my brother quite a bit, and it goes beyond just that. Um, you know, his wife has family there. His wife grew up there, so she has just, you know, all, all the friends that you would have from childhood, from high school years, from college years, most of them are all still there. Many of them are literally there right now. Some of them are actually in cities that are being actively bombarded. Some of those people there with, like, families, with small children. Um, so bit by bit, the more I talk about or think about it, the more I hear about it by way of my brother, the more disturbing it becomes. So again, I'm not like first degree involved in that conflict, but I I have the feeling from the last couple days of, 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 uh, kind of the reverberations of talking to people that aren't really sleeping, that are very anxious, that are very stressed out. Um, I, I don't have that, I'm not trying to co-opt their, their stress and anxiety, but you know, I, I, by feeling for them, you know, you take some of that on, um, so after a few days of this, um and just thinking of un- un- unknowingly how much longer it's going to go on for, because it could go on, you know, for ever. Um I'm not feeling super podcasty today. I'm not feeling super um Hey, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega here. Let's talk about the go. So um I I think I was going to in fact I know I was going to um I, I, and I'm still going to do this at some point, just not today. I, I was going to do an episode about um, one of the jobs that I had in my youth, working at a uh, crown discount bookstore. But we are going to set that aside. Um, till probably next week, because I can't imagine any of this situation will be any less grim next week, but I will have, um, you know, my, my body and mind will have acclimated to it. Um, but I also didn't want to go for two weeks without doing a podcast because that seems absurd. We're here to provide content, damn it. Um, so today is just going to be um, my explaining why I'm kind of in a weird frame of mind right now. Um, but now that I have I have put that on the table, now that I have explained that, um, I'm going to spend the rest of our time on this very special episode six, nine, um, just doing kind of a freestyle. Um, I don't know if tribute is the right word, but, uh, i just share some tales of, um, my brother's wife's, uh, Ukrainian family who I have uh, met a few times here in the States. Um, Share some of those tales and um, maybe a few takeaways um, of the current situation and how it pertains to us here in the non-Ukrainian world. So um, the first time I met my brother's wife's extended family, I believe it was in 2008, because my brother and his wife got married in 2007 and then her parents came to visit the states for the first time in 2008 and at the time my brother and his wife were living in an apartment in Berkeley California and her parents came to visit and we went down and my my parents went down because we were all you know our family was all going to meet their family and uh at the time my own nuclear family was myself my wife, Ms. Sensational, our oldest daughter, Ms. Sensational 1, who was like three, and then Ms. S was actually pregnant with Ms. Sensational 2. Uh, so this was um, kind of uh, right after Christmas time, because when the Ukrainian family visits during that time of the year, they usually come right around or right after our Christmas because their Christmas is like maybe a week later or something like that. Um, because basically, uh, as far as these, uh, Christian related, um, historically Christian related holidays go, the dates for them are either based on the Roman Catholic calendar, which is where our December 25th, I believe comes from, or the, uh, eastern orthodox calendar because at one point there was the one christian church and then it split off into the roman catholic and the eastern orthodox and then in the millennia or however long since it split into any five billion protestant sects here that but the, the to the two og sects that developed the two calendars that govern much of the the european uh world um Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox. The Eastern Orthodox has a different date for Christmas. So the Ukrainian relatives, um, their Christmas is a little bit after ours. So they came to visit for this first time, and we went down to that apartment in Berkeley, and we celebrated that Orthodox Christmas with, the, with them, uh, which involved um, my brother's wife and her mom made dinner, which was like some sort of... Um, like these dumplings that they made that were really good. Um, which, you know, dumplings are all dumplings. So even though these were like Eastern European dumplings, they still, they reminded me of the kind of dumplings that I'm familiar with from like Chinese food. Um, and I don't remember much of the specifics of them, but you know, they're, they're dumplings. So there was like some doughy stuff with like meat inside of it. Fried, I guess. Um, was fried the right term? I don't know. I, I just remember they were incredibly delicious. This wonderful festive dinner. Um, the parents brought a bunch of vodka with them uh, on their trip, um, and it was all vodka from uh, this Ukrainian vodka manufacturer Nemiroff. And so I was I was smartened up to the fact that according to them, this is like the only only brand of vodka candy in the world should, should be drinking is Nemiroff, true Ukrainian vodka. Um, so drank a bunch of Nemiroff, uh, ate a bunch of dumplings. Uh, my brother's wife's dad insisted on, um, reenacting various, uh, Ukrainian traditions. Like there's a certain caroling tradition. So he made him and my brother's wife go out into the hall of the apartment building and like, wait for like five minutes and then come knock on the door and act like they were just random carolers. And we had to answer the door and they did like this traditional caroling for us. Um, my brother's father-in-law, his wife's dad was very theatrical individual Um, He had already been kind of built up to me in a story before I met him. But he's a very, very flamboyant, very boisterous, very, very theatrical individual who was actually in a rock band in Ukraine of the 1960s when it was part of the Soviet Union. Um, During which, if you had a band and they were doing, you know, like rock cover, 1960s rock uh, cover tunes... You could have a band like that, but you had to modify the lyrics to fit, um, Soviet strictures of what you could or should be, uh, singing about. So, uh, when they would perform, uh, a censor would have to, uh, make sure that the, the lyrics that they were going to be doing, their version of the lyrics were going to comply with, uh, Soviet regulations, um... But uh one of the other um, strictures on uh performing at that time period was um they were told to stand stock still while performing. There was no 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 Elvis Presley and waist gyrations, no uh uh flamboyant guitar strumming. You just stood there and you sang and you performed. But apparently one night in front of a packed crowd at some local club, wherever, whatever city this took place in, in Ukraine. My uh, brother's father-in-law was singing and playing guitar and his guitar strap broke and he had to go down to a knee in order to continue playing the guitar. Because if you're familiar with guitars, the strap is what keeps it, you know, around your shoulder neck area and allows you to play it. Um, by the strap breaking, the only way to keep it upright and keep playing it was to kneel down and put it on his knee. But this was seen by the crowd as one of the most wild rock and roll moves they had ever witnessed in uh, real life. So the place went nuts. So I always thought that was kind of a funny story. But when I met when I met, uh, when I met uh, my brother's father-in-law in person... Um, he did not disappoint. He was he, he is down to talk nonstop. He does not speak English. So <laughs> he speaks Russian. Uh, Russian and Ukrainian, but they, they primarily speak Russian. There, there seems to be kind of a uh, misconception in a lot of the reporting that I've heard so far in this conflict that it's not normal to expect that Ukrainians necessarily speak Russians, But th- uh, I, Russian is a pretty widespread language there because Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union and that became the dominant language. So uh, anyhow, uh, he speaks Russian. I speak English. Neither of us speak the other's language. And so um, he would be wildly gesticulating and telling me these stories. And then he would have to wave over his daughter and be like, translate, translate. And so she had to kind of long-sufferingly be there. And uh Translate all of his uh, wild tales for me, but we talked about all kinds of great stuff. Um, you know, truly a good time. But the the thing that I was struck with by meeting this Ukrainian branch of the family for the first time is um, the strength of tradition with these people. What what customs? What tradition means to them? In a way. That is very hard to relate to here in the states because, of course, we have our customs, we have our traditions, we have grandma's recipe for this and that. But because the United States is a is a relatively new country, um, not that Ukraine as a country it is at all old because it's not. But I but as a geographical place where the same people have lived there for for untold amounts of time, it's that we don't have that here. We have people from all over the place, especially where I live on the West Coast in California. Um, you know, anyone who wasn't some indigenous person has only been here for but a minute. And by being the kind of wanderers that would bring you to a place where you were at, uh, generationally for but a minute, you're not going to be the kind of person or in the kind of situation where whatever traditions you have are going to have that same sway as they do when they're just kind of like baked into the soil of where you live. And for me, that's kind of a, it's a double-edged sword. Because again, I think one of the, the the strengths of the United States, which makes the United States, in my mind, the only country that, in theory, one can really get that excited about because it's a place that anyone can come to, anyone can join, anyone can be part of, in theory, again, you know, I, I know the mileage may vary, um so to me that's like the superpower of the United States is it's a place for everyone. It's a place, it's not an ethnic state. It's a, it's a a state of individuals coming together to create something new. While that's its superpower, its greatest weakness is that because it's not an ethnic state, because it's not a, a monocultural place, it can't have that same rich depth of belief in tradition, belief in culture. And, um, I think that's often to our own detriment because we do live in this country now. When everyone talks about all the the division in the United States, it's because no one really stands for anything. You stand for, you know, what you don't like about someone else or you stand for, you know, some hearsay that you heard someone else talking about. But there's just not that same, there's not a strong national identity. We have our, you know, our mythologies that we're all these colonists fighting off, you know, some British people to make us pay taxes. But that's such a, that story is long since done. That's over. That's gone. And so what, what replaces that? Um, so, you know, ideally I think we, that we would create our own version of where, because it's not a, a monocultural state, we would, uh, create this national identity of enjoying being around different kinds of people and coming together in, uh, uh civic duty and civic pride out of our difference. But for whatever reason, you know, that's just not, it's not the way it is. Um, so it's, it was interesting to see, to to meet people from a place um, that's so different as far as um, just the strength of cultural identity and, and the pride in that uh, identity. And not pride in a gross way, like a nationalistic, I'm going to take over your country because mine's better way, because obviously they're on the receiving end of that in, in their geopolitical situation. Uh, but more in just a way that, that, that we are just very comfortable in who we are. And um, we enjoy being who we are and we enjoy sharing who we are with someone else because they were certainly sharing their culture themselves uh, with us. And I, I kind of I, I noticed at the time I filed it away and it's come back to me strong in the last few days when we've, we've seen how we've seen the reaction in Ukraine. We've seen how ordinary people are lining up to uh, fight for one another, to fight for their cities um and again it's it's so different than um you know in the states there's the fantasy the militia fantasy of 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 fighting our own people of fighting our own country of, of for whatever reason people get off on that like the uh, but in Ukraine we're seeing people that want to fight for their country to fight um for their cities to fight to to keep that social fabric together to keep that network together rather than trying to destroy that network and not wanting there to be a social network. So that's been inspiring to me. But again, that, when I think back now on what I experienced with meeting the Ukrainian relatives, it's not um, totally surprising. Uh, one other little anecdote from that takeaway that I always uh, remember from that first time of meeting them was um, it was the, uh, the, the, the Chinese zodiac. It was the year of the rat. And um, so uh, the Ukrainian uh, parents had brought three-year-old Miss Sensational 1 a stuffed rat toy. Um, And it had a shirt that said, like, 2008 Year of the Rat or something like that. And so while we were all drinking Nemrov vodka and eating dumplings – Uh, miss one fell asleep on the couch. And when she woke up a few hours later, she was disoriented because she wasn't sure where she was. She wasn't used to, you know, I think my brother and his wife had newly moved into that apartment. So anyway, she woke up kind of confused and she was like, what happened to me? And then her rat had fallen on the floor, even though she'd been holding it when she fell asleep. And she's like, what happened to my rat? And, um, my brother's wife's mom started like laughing hysterically because she speaks more English than her husband does. And she's kind of the equivalent of, like, someone here that, like, took Spanish in high school. So she, like, could recognize more than she could speak. But she was just cracking up because she could vividly understand what little Miss Sensational One said when she said, What happened to me? What happened to my rat? Um, I uh, have only seen the parents one other time since then. And uh, my brother's father-in-law continued not to fail – is it, wait, he did not. I always mess this up. If I say he never fails to disappoint, that means he was disappointing. He never disappoints. I don't know why I always want to put fails into that. Anyway, um, the legend continued the last time we met him, or we saw them, which is like years ago now. But um, we were talking about music and he was talking about his love for the great Credence Clearwater revival. And he suddenly jumped up and started singing and air guitaring and like doing the music and then also singing the words to the, I want to know, have you ever seen the rain? But like in like perfect, clear English, it was like, it it was something else. And then this is when they were already supposed to be leaving. And so his wife had to kind of drag him out by his ear as he continued uh, performing that tune. Um... One other funny story about the in-laws. Oh, no, two more funny stories about the uh, in-laws visiting. Um, That first visit that they came in 2008, my brother took them to uh, see the Ferry Building in San Francisco, California. And for those of you who are not familiar, the Ferry Building is... This uh, complex down by the water in San Francisco. It used to be a ghost town. There used to be nothing there. But some years ago, it was redeveloped into a fancy kind of shopping market area where there's expensive restaurants and little, like, fancy markets. And um, it's, it's not super far from where the San Francisco Giants play uh, baseball. Um, it's also where if you take a ferry to San Francisco from other areas in the Bay area, that's where your destination will be the ferry building. Um, so anyway, my brother took, uh, his in-laws to the ferry building. And at that time, it's no longer there, but at that time there was a fancy caviar restaurant and they were walking by and my brother's father-in-law noticed the fancy caviar restaurant. And so there were a couple issues here. One, it was, uh, Russian caviar and two, the Ukrainian aesthetic, they do enjoy their caviar, but they are less, um, they're, they're more populist about it. It's, it's less about getting the most expensive, uh, hard to find, um, you know, Russian black caviar. You just get normal caviar that tastes just as good, but you don't have to pay some ridiculous price for it. So he started, uh, videotaping the restaurant, uh, for his friends back home, including going off on this bombastic tirade about, oh, could you imagine anyone would actually be eating at this place and paying these prices and for Russian food? <laughs> and so, um, uh, eventually someone working at the, uh, restaurant had to come out and be like, sir, um, please move on. Cause he was kind of <laughs> causing a scene out there, even though people wouldn't understand what he was saying unless they spoke Russian. But the fact that it was just this man out there gesticulating and videotaping, I think it was making them uncomfortable. I always found that to be kind of funny. Um, The one other amazing story um, I will tell of their visits to the States um, was uh, years after that first uh, visit, my brother and his wife moved to Washington, D.C., and the in-laws came to visit, and they were out and about in D.C., and apparently there is a monument somewhere in Washington, D.C., a statue of... <clears throat> Excuse me. Some famous Ukrainian individual. Who knows? You know, some some politician, some general, some states person. I you know one of these statues. <clears throat> and you know, here when we see statues of people like this, we don't unless we're these weird unless we're the weird uh, mutants who are very enamored with uh, Confederate statues. We don't usually bat an eye. Uh, by enamored, I I don't mean the people that don't like those statues. I mean the people that have a very strange uh, attachment to statues of terrorist figures in, in American history and, like, venerating them. But uh, in, in any case, when you generally when we see these statues, whether mutant, whether or not, we just walk by them and don't really pay attention because who cares. But, uh, again, uh, Ukrainians, they take their, their history and all this stuff very seriously. So they're walking by and they see the statue. And um, there's this guy standing near the statue. And... He's essentially, the way my brother described it, more or less um, kind of a Simpsons comic book guy type of individual um, in both looks and manner- mannerism. And he is standing there bouncing a little rubber bouncy ball off of the statue and catching it, bouncing it off the statue, catching it. And my brother's father-in-law saw this and just immediately just like just flew upon him and uh, I was exhorting him in Russian to immediately stop defiling the statue This had to cease immediately. And um, the guy, you know, obviously didn't understand what my brother's father-in-law was saying and just seemed kind of irritated and was like, continuing to bounce the statue, continuing to bounce the statue. And my brother had to intervene. He was like, oh, sorry, it's kind of awkward. My my father-in-law here, he's from Ukraine. The statue is some famous Ukrainian person. To him, it's like disrespectful that you're bouncing your little rubber bouncy ball off of it. And uh, you know he'd really like you to stop. And the comic book guy was like, "It is well within my rights to bounce my ball off of this statue." And so um, my brother's father-in-law got more agitated, and you know, probably wanted to like have a duel with the guy. And my brother's like, "Ah, could you could you please you know just 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 stop bouncing the ball? He's not gonna." Calm down until you stop bouncing the ball. The guy's like, no one shall tell me to stop bouncing a ball off of a statue. Continues to do it, continues to do it. And father-in-law gets more and more elevated, more and more agitated. My brother pleads with the guy to stop. And then finally the guy is like, I will make a deal. I will bounce the ball five more times and then I will cease. One, two, three, etc. cetera, bounces it. And then finally is done and is like, good day, sir. And walks off. And so that was just the ultimate meeting of the minds. The uh, Ukrainian tourist who takes seriously a heritage and uh, venerates a statue that no one else probably in the metropolitan D.C. area knew what it was or could care. And then the one guy that was just very (laughs) hell-bent on (laughs) exerting his rights of bouncing the bouncy ball off the statue. They just cosmically came together in that one place in that one time, in that one moment, and have that little moment together that has now disappeared into the ether, but that I will remember to the end of my days, even though I didn't witness it myself. I don't know why that story just cracked me up. Um, folks, I just wanted to do this story, uh, this episode A, so I kept the train rolling. I, I always worry if I don't do it for If I take more than a week off? I'll take all weeks off, and I will never return to you again. Not that it would probably be any skin off most of your backs, um, but, you know, I just I, I feel the need to have some kind of creative venture, and this is what I have going these days. And I, I do not want to give up on it. I want to keep going at least, at least, as my voice cracks, to episode 100, and we're only at episode 6-9. So in closing this very special episode 6-9, I will... Um, tie things up with the postscript that, um, the Ukrainian relatives, uh, my brother's wife's parents, um, and their son's wife and their son's wife's two daughters have all left the country. They are, they left Ukraine for the neighboring country of Moldova Shout out to Marina Shafir, the supernova from Moldova. Uh, But they left for Moldova, and now I think they are trying to get to Spain, where um, my brother's wife's parents' son owns an apartment. Um, And then I think there's some talk that the parents may be coming out here for an extended stay. We shall see. Meanwhile, my brother's wife's brother... God, that's confusing. My brother's wife's brother has stayed behind in Ukraine where he's assisting with the war effort. He's a bit of a uh, connected guy. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's leave it at that. Um, and he is using those resources right now to help um, the military in his region. So they're all doing okay for now. Very depressing to think about what the future holds because I don't see there being any good outcome um, to this bizarre, unnecessary war. Uh, But we'll see. I'll keep you posted. Um, One final factoid, because I learned this one a long time ago. Um, But it's sort of like how uh, I worked for a remote company that used Zoom long before Zoom was a thing and then i got to watch people try to get acclimated to zoom i got acclimated to this one a long time ago um and now it's become a thing and i'm watching people try to get acclimated to it so the country is called ukraine people often call it the ukraine it's actually called ukraine but then I, years ago when i when i i was actually asking the the in-laws about this I was like, okay, so your country's Ukraine, you get annoyed if people call it the Ukraine, but then why does everyone call it the Ukraine? Because that had to have come from somewhere, right? So here's the thing. Um, and some of our listeners of the show that live in the strange, odd place that's known as the American Midwest might appreciate this. Um, Ukraine, the country Ukraine, the, the geographic region that it occupies, was essentially the midwest of the former Soviet Union. It's like the breadbasket area of the former Soviet Union. They grew a lot of, of wheat and, and that type of thing there. Um there's a lot of agriculture there. It was the hardy midwest of the of the Soviet Union. I don't know that it was actually in the midwestern part of the Soviet Union, but it may very well have been. My my geography is not up to snuff. But 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 just in the sense of being this uh heartland um, part of the country, the former Soviet Union, um, it was akin to the Midwest. So we, call, we don't call it Midwest, right? We call it the Midwest. But say um, a few years from now when the United States dissolves and the Midwest becomes the country Midwest, it will no longer be the Midwest. It will be Midwest, the country, and that's essentially what happened with the Ukraine. The Ukraine became its own nation. Therefore, the country itself is now Ukraine, where the region was the Ukraine. And knowing, in this case, is not even half the battle. It's it's everything. That that it's all tied up there now, neatly with a bow. And with that, I will bid you adieu on this very special episode six nine. Thank you, folks, for bearing with me. Uh, this may have been one of the weirder, more boring episodes of a weird, boring podcast in general, the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, but I just did not have it in me to talk about my time at Crown Books this week. I, I, you know, And that will be boring and weird too, but, but you know, that, that's boring and weird is, is what we strive for here at the MSGVP. Until next time, it's me, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega on the IC Robots Radio Network, signing off.